couple of times a year, maybe three if you're lucky, I talk to you about money and giving. So are you feeling lucky? February was the last time this year that I spoke on that, so we are well overdue. So take a deep breath. I know that for some people it's a very sensitive subject, but I can assure you that for some of the cultures among us, it is a non-issue at all. And I've told you before, when out of my British reserve, I apologise for talking about money, because everything in me wants to apologise for talking about money. Uh, some of my friends from other cultures, they will come and tell me off. Say, don't apologise for talking about money. Um, it's in the Bible, and we need to hear what the Bible says, and of course it's true. It is a, a great sadness that... Uh, some leaders and some ministries have talked about money in such a way that uh, in some places it's given the church a really bad name. Some preachers have tried to connect physical healing to how much money you give. And some have said, you know, give to my ministry and you will be healed. At best they're mistaken, at worst they're manipulative. And I fear too many are manipulative. 1 Corinthians 12 tells us, look, healing is one of God's many gifts to the church and you cannot earn God's gifts. Some preachers tie prosperity to a mark of how faith-filled you are and how spiritual you are and, and it's a mark of how you know, little sin is in your life and they are masters at taking verses out of context and giving them meaning that just doesn't exist and when I hear it time and time again, it just makes me weep how they massacre a text in the scripture. John 3 verse 2 is one of those verses, but don't get me going on that one. Faith is tied as much to perseverance and trust as it is to anything else. Hebrews 11 is a chapter full of it. The Apostle Paul in Philippians 4 verse 12 says, I know what it is to have plenty. Praise God. I know what it is to be in want. Praise God. I know what it is to be well fed. I know what it is to be hungry. And Paul didn't go through those seasons because he lacked faith. He didn't go through those seasons because he was in sin. In fact, Paul goes on to say here, what I have learned, he says, here's my testimony, Paul says. Whatever the season, whether plenty or want, whether well-fed or hungry, I've learned this. I have learned that I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Paul says, I've learned. It doesn't matter what the circumstances, they're not going to pull me down. Because greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And there's a strength that comes from him that makes me more than a conqueror, no matter what the situation. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, in the context of giving and money. 2 Corinthians 8 and 9 are both chapters all about money. The Apostle Paul tells us about the churches in Macedonia. And he says in 2 Corinthians 8 verse 2, he says they were in a season not just of poverty. Read the text. 2 Corinthians 8 verse 2. It says extreme poverty. And it had nothing to do with a lack of faith or a lack of spirituality or sin in the camp. Listen to what the Apostle said about the Macedonian churches in relation to money and giving. 2 Corinthians 8, verses 1 to 3. Brothers and sisters, I want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. Out of the most severe trial and extreme poverty, they overflowed with 
rich joy and rich generosity and gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. You see, the circumstances didn't stop them giving. The circumstances didn't stop them being generous. From a place of poverty, they were both faith-filled and spiritual. In fact, because of their circumstances, generous giving would require more faith than ever. Now, having said all of that, we really do need to understand and we need to acknowledge that the Bible does connect blessing and giving. It's just a fact. So Proverbs 19:17, the person who is kind to the poor lends to the Lord and the Lord will reward them for what they have done. In Luke 6:38, Jesus says, give and it will come back to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be poured into your lap. The Apostle Paul, in the context of giving and finance, 2 Corinthians 9, 6, remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. The Bible says so much about giving and blessing. It is there in the text. But you see, giving is not primarily, doesn't, isn't to flow from an attitude that says, I'm giving in order to get. That's not the attitude. It's primarily about worship, stewardship, and trust. And we'll see those three things as we go through the scriptures. Giving flows out of a principle that goes all the way back to the beginning. God creates Adam and Eve, and he places them in the most amazing garden. Adam and Eve are surrounded by abundance. There is more food, more provision than they could ever hope for. They lack for nothing, and it has all come from the hand of God. Everything they have has come from him. Genesis 2 verse 7 tells us, God breathed the breath of life into the man, and he became a living being. Even the very air that they were breathing came from above. And as Adam and Eve stand in the Garden of Eden, they stand in that place and they survey the beauty and the bountiful provision and even the air that they breathe in, the very life breath that they have, they are totally aware in that moment that everything they have has come from him. Without him, they would have nothing. No garden, no trees, no food, no breath, no life. They knew in this moment at least three things that God wants us all never, ever to lose sight of. Things that have been marred by sin. Things that are challenged by the enemy. But three things that remain true. And as they stood in the garden, they knew it to their core. First of all, they knew God is good. They knew it. They were surrounded by the goodness of God everywhere they looked. The repeated phrase in Genesis 1, and God saw that it was good, and God saw that it was good, and God saw that it was good. They were surrounded by God's goodness, and they knew to their core, this God, he's a good God. And they also knew God is their provider. They just looked around this garden, this abundant provision that was never, ever, ever going to run out. They knew it came from the hand of God. He's their provider. And they would know God is their sustainer. Even the very breath, as they breathe in of that air, they knew it came from God himself. And God says to Adam and Eve in Genesis 1, 28, 29, I give you everything 
you can see. Imagine that. Everything you could see. And they could see plenty. It's all yours. Every bit of it. And then he says, I charge you to rule, to govern, to use all I have given you to build community. This is God's way of saying, look, I've blessed you. You're blessed with abundance. You're blessed with life. You're blessed with plenty. But you're not just blessed to keep it to yourself. You're blessed to be a blessing. I charge you to rule, to govern, and use everything I've given you to build community. To be fruitful, to fill the earth with life and bring great glory and honor to my name. That's the key. It's about how can we bring glory and honor to him with everything that we have and own and are. Adam and Eve are stewards of everything and owners of nothing. It all came from God. They are to steward everything God has given them for the good of humanity and to the glory of God. The Apostle Paul affirms this principle when he refers back to Genesis chapter 1. He's preaching in Athens. And in Acts chapter 17, verses 24, 25, this is what he says. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth. He himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. We are stewards of everything and owners of nothing. Everything we have comes from the one who gives everyone life and breath. So giving is about stewardship. It's an attitude of heart and mind that understands everything we have comes from God. And we're to use it to his glory. We are blessed to be a blessing. Giving is about stewardship, but it's also about worship. Giving is to flow from a heart of thankfulness and gratitude for all that God has blessed us with, even the very air that we breathe. The attitude of the worshipper isn't, it's all mine. It's all mine. The attitude of the worshipper is, it's all his. It's all his. And I give out of a thankful heart. I give to honour him. So Proverbs 3, 9 says... Honour the Lord by giving him the first part of all your income. Through my giving, I worship God. Through my giving, I honour God. Through my giving, I declare he is a good God. Through my giving, I remind myself he's my provider. I am not tied by my stuff. I am not a slave to consumerism, to materialism. I'm not tied by all this stuff. I don't depend on anything else. He's my provider. And with my giving, I remind myself, he is my sustainer. When Paul talks about the Macedonians in 2 Corinthians 8 and how that in spite of their circumstances they gave, he tells us why. He says in verse 5, this surprised us, says the Apostle Paul. Verse 5, they gave themselves, first of all, to the Lord. Yes, there was a project. Yes, there was a cause. Yes, it was a, a famine in Jerusalem and they were giving to help the people who were starving and, and struggling. Yes, it was a great cause. And yes, the Apostle Paul was piling pressure on them to give. But they said, look, that's not the prime reason we, we're giving. We are giving because we're giving to the Lord. We're giving to him. They were not trying to impress Paul or anyone else. First and foremost, they were worshipping Jesus. First and foremost, they were putting him first. In Acts chapter 10. We have the story of Cornelius and Cornelius is visited by an angel and the angel says in Acts 10 verse 4, your prayers 
and gifts to the poor have come up as a remembrance before God. And that word remembrance is used three times in Leviticus chapter 2. And it speaks in Leviticus 2 verse 2 about this remembrance rising to God, an aroma pleasing to him. And the angel is saying to Cornelius, your giving has risen up as an act of worship. Giving is about stewardship. Giving is about worship. And giving is about trust. So much of what God taught Israel about money and possessions was designed to encourage them to trust him. Some time ago when we looked at the tabernacle and the reason for all the sacrificial system, we reminded ourselves that God had to do that to help them begin to really learn who he is. God knows our humanity. He knows our frailty. He knows he has to put things into our lives to help us really understand who he is. And so God wove into the community of Israel these things to challenge them to trust him. So in the book of Leviticus, chapter 25, God says to the people, every seven years, you are to let the land lie fallow. You are not to plant crops. You are not to harvest anything. Every seven years, no planting, no harvest. There is not a big supermarket down the road. This is their income. This is their survival. But every seven years, you're not going to do it. And you can imagine the people thinking, how's that going to work? Where will we get food from? Where, how will we live? What will happen in the fallow year? And God anticipates this. And so he, he says, I know this is a challenge to you. And in verses 21 and 20, he says this. You may ask, what will we eat in the seventh year if we do not plant or harvest crops? Here is God's response. I will send you such a blessing in the sixth year that the land will yield enough for three years. God is saying to them, trust me. Trust me with your stuff. Trust me. Don't be so tied down by all these other things. Trust me. Worship me. Put me first. In Deuteronomy 15, God tells his people, every seven years, cancel Every debt there is owed to you. Who would like to bring that in as a rule right now? Can you imagine it? Every seven years, cancel every debt. That's all the income, all the stuff that you could say is my assets. I cancel it all. That takes giving to a whole new level. That takes generosity into orbit. And it might be for some of you here today, God is calling you to a whole new level of giving. To a whole new level of generosity. To a new level of worship and trust. An expression of faith in Him. To a whole new level of blessing. In Leviticus 25.10, He tells them, Every 50 years, and they're just recovering from the idea of every seven years they're not planting crops, and every seven years they're giving away everything, they're not, you know, they're cancelling all the debt. Then he says, look, every 50 years, the year of Jubilee, you are to set all your servants free and give back all the land that you have acquired. Every bit of it's got to go back. Wow. Why did God do that? Leviticus 25 verse 23 tells us why. God says to them, look, the land must never be sold permanently. Here's why. Verse 23. 
because the land is mine and you are my tenants. And I never want you to get to a place where you think it's yours. Where you think you own this because you don't. The land is mine and you are my tenants. You are my stewards. The psalmist says in Psalm 24 verse 1, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. We are owners of nothing. Stewards of everything. Woven into their community, into their life cycle, were these challenges to trust, to worship, to give, to be generous. From the beginning, God was a giver. From the beginning, God gave, and he gave generously. It's his very nature to be generous. For God so loved the world, he gave. And he wanted to build a community that gave. A community that was generous in its giving. A community that would worship him and trust him as their provider and their sustainer. And he calls you and me to be that community. Well, it's a no-brainer, really. But if you have a community over here of tight-fisted misers... Sorry, I'm not pointing to that side of the room for any reason in particular. And a community over here of generous givers, which one do you want to belong to? We all know the answer. And that is the community that God wants us to be. Giving. It's about stewardship. I own nothing. It's all His. How can I use it for His glory? Not just our money. Everything we have, that gift of hospitality, that fantastic cooker that you've got at home, that ability to cook that most marvellous stew the world has ever seen, and to bless people, the stuff that we have, the car that can be used to give somebody a lift, so many different things. Everything we have is to be an offering and available to him. Giving is about stewardship. It's about worship. Putting him first. In our worship, in our giving, we're saying, God, I trust you with my stuff. Giving is about trust. Finally, very, very practically, giving enables the mission and the ministry of the church. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 16, and the passage is good to read as a whole passage around giving. The Apostle Paul thanks the Philippian church for sending him financial support. He says, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. And this allowed the Apostle Paul to plant churches, to pastor churches, to write the letters that today we read as scripture. It enabled the Apostle Paul to get on with all of that ministry. And this wonderful mission God has called us to as Bridge Community Church is enabled by our giving. It's very practical. It's a, it's a fact that our giving enables all the incredible stuff that we are able to do, much of which I shared with you three weeks ago. If you weren't here that morning, listen to the podcast. It's the last Sunday in October. It allows us to do all these amazing things. So let me give you a broad biblical overview and be very practical for the last couple of minutes on how you might think around this. In the Old Testament, there were two broad categories of giving. And these as principles are relevant for the Christian church today. There were free will offerings and there was then giving into a central pot. There was those two broad ways to give. Free will offerings, giving into the central pot. 
The free will offerings, just as it sounds, was like give what you want, where you want, when you want. To any cause, anything that grabbed your attention. In the Old Testament, you'll see there was a building project, the temple, and the people gave free will offerings. It could be a, an amazing cause, like the famine relief project that Paul talks about in 2 Corinthians 8. It could be Kids Club, Zarak, a missionary the other side of the world. Whatever it is, free will offerings as much as you want, when you want, how you want. Now, the money, or more likely crops, of grain, oil, and wine, which in that day was cash, actually could be converted for cash, but could be used as cash to buy and sell. The money that was given centrally was given to the priests, to the Levites. Why? The Levite clan was not allowed to own its own land. When they went into the promised land, it was all shared out among the tribes, but God said the Levites get nothing. They get no land. So the Levites couldn't grow food and they had no income. They were to be 24-7 looking after the tabernacle, looking after the sacrificial system, ministering to the poor. That's what they had to do. In the Old Testament, the base level of central giving was the tithe. The tithe is 10% of your income. And we often talk about the 10% and the tithe, but actually... There are at least three tithes in the Old Testament. Three tithes the Israelites had to give. Now don't shut off and don't get scared, all right, about these three tithes. But Numbers 18, 21 to 24, there was a tithe for the priests. Deuteronomy 14, verses 22 to 27, there's a tithe for the celebratory feasts. Deuteronomy 14, 28, 29, there is a tithe for the poor. So there wasn't just one tithe, there were three tithes. Who's glad about that this morning? <laughs> the tithes for the feasts and the poor were given at prescribed times over a seven-year cycle. And people much smarter than me have worked out that the Israelites were giving around 22% of their income. All those in favor? Not many. 22% of their income. That's what they were giving. Now, don't panic. I'm not saying we're bound by that. We're not. In the New Testament Christian church, a percentage is not mentioned. Giving is referred to as grace giving. And if giving under the law started at 10%, then grace giving can't possibly be less. For me, it's never been an issue. I don't know why. It just hasn't. It was such a joy and a blessing to be able to give. I've practiced tithing since I was 19 years old. And some will remember... Uh, Mr. Uh, Rawlinson, uh, Mr. Rawlinson, broad, blunt, Yorkshireman, elder back in the Bridge Street days, telling us about tithing. And when I first heard it at 19 years old, I thought, that makes sense. Just makes sense. And I've done it ever since. And I'm thrilled to see what small part my giving has enabled this church to do over many years. I'm thrilled to invest in such a missional church with a heart for the poor. The Apostle Paul refers to these givers in that Philippians passage. He says, you are partners in the gospel. We thank God for every one of you who give. For your partnership in the vision and mission of this church. For your help for the poor. For helping us with the proclamation of the gospel that goes out from this place all over the world. I talked to you a few weeks ago, the last Sunday in October. Please do Get that message 
about our vision and some of our aims over the next three to five years. And you know, we will really want to see people one for Jesus. And the word of the Lord spread widely and grow in power. We have so many wonderful opportunities. But you know, as well as I do, mission comes with a significant cost. It just does. I've said it before, and I'm being very practical here now. I'll say it again because it still holds true even this year. And when I said this back in February, there was a great response that has made a difference this year, I can tell you. If every adult who's a regular attender at BCC, and we'll include you even if you're an irregular attender, but if every adult committed to BCC just increased their giving £10 a month, not a week, £10 a month, less than a cup of coffee a week, if every regular adult attender did that, it would... It would just put us in a totally different place. It's ridiculous how easy it is. It would enable us to do so many things. We could have splash sessions every afternoon for Leeds 9. Just so many wonderful opportunities that we could really step into in, in the gospel. £10 a month, that is it. Every single adult. And I know that God will call some of you to do more than that. I understand that. I'm just showing you. Look, everybody matters in this. Everybody's partnering in the gospel. It really does matter. So I ask you this morning to prayerfully consider increasing your giving. If you're not a regular giver, I would really ask you to consider giving a regular monthly amount. It makes such a difference, but not primarily for that. But I'm encouraging you into the place of honoring God with your finance. Stepping into being a worshipper with that part of your life. Do as the Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians 9, 7. Each one of you should give what you have decided in your heart. A heart decision. A desire to worship God. To honor Him. Or do as the Macedonians did. Give an, out of an act of worship. Give first to the Lord. Forget that there are great causes. Forget that there's an incredible mission. Say, do you know what? None of that matters to me. I'm not giving for that. I'm giving because I'm giving to Him. It's an act of worship for me. It's a response to his goodness in my life. It's an act of trust and faith. The Apostle Paul links the themes of giving and worship, trust and blessing. Again, in Philippians 4, as I drop my notes, sorry. He links these themes that we've seen throughout the scripture. Philippians 4, verse 18, here's what he says. I am amply supplied now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God and my God. My God, says the Apostle Paul, will meet all your needs according to his riches in glory. Is the Apostle Paul's God your God? He's my God. And my God, I know. I can testify. My God, he has met all my needs according to his riches in glory, and I trust that he will. And I will worship him with everything I have and all that I am. I'll give him my all. I'm an owner of nothing, steward of everything. So may God help every one of us to grow in the grace of giving, to grow in the joy and worship of giving, so that in increasing measure, we will see the name of the Lord Jesus held in highest honour throughout this city and this nation and the nations. In Jesus' name, amen.
and amen. Thank you and God bless you. Let's stand together, friends. We're going to sing. We're going to sing a song of devotion, a song of commitment as we come to a close. And I just encourage you, our trustees, Craig is our chair of trustees. He stood there at the table. Go see the trustees, talk to them, ask them any questions. See the gifts, guys. They will be there as well. And let's go forward in God in the grace of giving. Let's sing and let's worship him as we close.